Father, thank you for this day that you've given to us to, to come aside, to be refreshed in who we are in you and our place in your world. Uh, strengthen and focus us. Uh, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, young people, you can leave, and not so young people, if you would turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. Now, again, just to put this all in context, this is a series that began all the way back at Matthew, chapter 5. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. And he's going through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's answering the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And you see throughout the Scriptures, there's a cost to it. It costs everything. And so what is the nature of the cost of discipleship? And so that's what we've been looking at over the past several months as we've been moving through this. We came then last week to the close of chapter 9, where Jesus looks at Israel in its worst possible moment. Oppressed by demons, leprosy, blindness, illness throughout the land. No good teachers. Jesus' big ministry is what? Confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? The, the, the pastors of God's people are all turning against God's people. And he looks at Israel in its darkest moment. And he looks and says, number one, he has compassion. He looks on the hurting, on the broken, on the demon-possessed, on the leprous, on the, on the wicked, wicked people, and he looks at them with compassion. And that's the first lesson to take, is that when you and I acknowledge that there is brokenness, I mean, I, I think the current transgender and pushing puberty blockers on minors is one of the greatest social evils that has ever existed. What we are doing to children is evil. But when we look at that evil, and when we look at the people that are touched by that evil, do we look with compassion? We can still say it's darkness. We can still say it's it's wrong. But if we look with the eyes of compassion, then we're looking with Jesus' eyes. The second thing he does, he looks and he says, in this dark season, this is what the harvest looks like. The fields are white under harvest. The blacker the night, the greater the harvest. And so then he gives something to his disciples, a a challenge to his disciples. He says, pray earnestly, therefore, that the Lord would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And I say all that as background because you see exactly the immediate answer. We close chapter 9 with a charge. What's the charge in chapter 9? Well, to pray. Yeah. He says, pray earnestly. That's the charge in chapter 9. Pray earnestly. And so what happens in chapter 10? 
the prayer is answered. <laughs> you see the effect of prayer between the close of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. He says, pray earnestly, therefore, that the Lord would send forth laborers into the harvest. And at the beginning of chapter 10, you see the answer to prayer. I think that's pretty neat. (laughs) But someone read for me the first four verses of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. So when Jesus is going to send out his apostles, the the apostle is the one who goes forth in the authority and in the name. When he sends them out, notice what he does not give them. He does not give them a seminary education. He does not give them some new teaching. He does not give them much in the way of, I mean, he's given them instruction. But what they need from him, the thing they need from him, are the two things he gives them. He gives them authority, and he gives them power. He gives them authority to go forth in his name. And that authority is given to these twelve. And it is so significant that it is the new 12 tribes of Israel. You see in Revelation, the great city has 12 foundations that are the prophets. And it has 12 gates that are the apostles. This is the establishment of this new Israel. This is the authority of all of God's wisdom and word and counsel, all of that is given to these 12. But that's not enough. It's not enough to have authority if you have no power. If I walk in here (laughs) and I say that President Biden has given me authority to tell each one of you to give me $500, you're going to look at me and go, No. (laughs) If I come in here with a couple of weapons (laughs) or military people or whatever, we'll have a different outcome. Authority must go with power, and it is the power that, that demonstrates the authority of Christ. And it's particularly power over two realms. What are the two realms that are given? Unclean spirits healing every disease and affliction.
Jesus gives to these twelve power over that darkness. Power over that spiritual darkness that is both outside and inside. Power over that spiritual darkness. That that same and and again, that's why I looped in chapter nine again. I don't think I have to convince any of us that there's bad bad things that happen all around us. There's bad evil darkness in our society. My my daughter and I were driving down the road the other day, and we turned at a stoplight, made a turn, and we saw a otherwise very attractive young woman, probably mid-late 30s, with a sign asking for money, which nowadays, if you drive around here, you know it's almost the exception when you pull up to a stoplight and don't see somebody with a sign. But this young woman, in her 30s, young to me, this, this woman was in the middle of fentanyl. She was standing there in the traffic and falling over with her sign up, because she was in the very middle of her fentanyl thing. That's dark. The prison that that woman is in. The, 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 there's darkness. And if we look at it with compassion, we're looking at it with the eyes of Christ. Not judgment, but compassion. And compassion then steps in. Compassion doesn't just shake its head. Compassion steps in. And that was, it would have been inappropriate and not the right time as I'm making a right-hand turn and continuing down a four-lane divided highway. But, but the eyes of Christ step into the darkness with compassion. And he looks at this and doesn't simply say, I'm helpless. He looks at it and says, I have all authority over this darkness, and I have all power over this darkness. And I give that to the church. I give that to the apostles. I give that to the apostolic ministry of the church. This authority and power over the darkness. And then we go into the the names. And Bonhoeffer makes an interesting point here as we go through these names. The first is Simon Simon the Rock Man Matthew, oh, I'm sorry, Simon Peter. This is before his name has been changed. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector. James. So these names, Simon Peter, Matthew, and Simon the Zealot, these are names that we know about. We know that 
Jesus says, Peter, you are the rock. And on this confession, I will build my church. We know that he says to Matthew, leave your tax collecting behind, get up and follow me. And we know that Simon is a zealot because that's his name. (laughs) It's Simon the Zealot. And the zealots are the party that were a a, uh, anti-Roman, stood up for oppression against the oppression uh, of the Gentiles over the nation of Israel. So they were very much a, a group whose number one enemy would have been Matthew the tax collector. <laughs> the, the, the number one enemy for a partisan is his fellow countryman who does not agree with his position. Uh, that's the closest betrayer that he's got. There's nothing that draws these men together. There's nothing that they have in common except... the call. That is the only thing that unifies these men. That is the only thing that draws these men together. Again, I think this is profoundly relevant because currently one of the things in our day is how do people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different cultures, how can we coexist within the church together? And I'm sorry, if Jesus can pull it off between the tax collector and the zealot, I think he can pull it off between us. Uh, if, if we have that kind of a focus on Jesus Christ, that the very identifying marks become almost, almost insignificant in terms of the, the, the connection with Jesus Christ. Uh, so here's what Bonhoeffer says. The only bond of unity between the twelve is their choice and call. Simon the rock man, Matthew the publican, Simon the zealot, the champion of law and justice against the oppression of the Gentiles, John, the beloved disciple who lay on Jesus' breast, and the others of whom we know nothing except their names. Then lastly, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. No power in the world could have united these men for a common task, save the call of Jesus. But that call transcended all their previous divisions and established a new and steadfast fellowship in Jesus. Even Judas went forth, to the Christ work. And the fact that he did so will always be a dark riddle and an awful warning. Even Judas went forth, declared an apostle to do the work that he was ordained to do. And in that, we both have a riddle (laughs) and a warning. Uh, But that is, uh, I'm sorry, I realize I'm early, but I promise this chapter only has a page and a half of content in it. (laughs) I drug it out as long as I could. But it it is, uh, I I think it's it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me how uh, often I hear people say we have 
a, a bigger challenge. It, it's, it's, a, it's a huge challenge to bring different cultures together in the church. Uh, I, I think that's really sad. I think when we have a problem bringing different cultures together in the church, it's because we're not all focused on Christ. We're focused on things that are unique to our own cultures. But certainly in the choice and the call of the apostles, you see Christ bridging cultural divides that are much deeper than anything you and I have that divide us from one another. So with that, uh, are there any questions, comments on this? Kind of straightforward. All right, well, I'll close in prayer, and then we can uh, enjoy coffee and fellowship. Father, as we see, you immediately answer your son's prayer by sending forth laborers into the harvest field. We see the great calling on these men, even the dark calling on Judas. And we see the glorious reality that Jesus Christ is the only one that could bring all of these people together. Different backgrounds, different ideology, different philosophy and politics, but all together into a new tribe. Help us to live that out faithfully in our own congregation and here in this portion of the harvest field. In Christ's name, amen.